Welcome to Welcome to the Hollow Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here with the last episode of season one of Charms. We made it! Woo! We made it through the first season. You know who didn't make it through the first season? Oh, Andy. Oh, Andy. Oh, poor Andy. How are you going to have the same plot line with Prue over and over and over again? Well, actually, what's Prue going to do now that she can't have the same plot line with Andy over and over and over again? I mean, they'll have it with Daryl, but without the sex. God. Oof. What, you mean you're not looking forward to her just torrid, torrid affair with, uh... I don't remember a single other love interest for her. Sure you do. Betty Cooper's dad. What's his deal? He also works at the auction house, you know, for like the four episodes, I think, in season two when she works at the auction house before randomly becoming a photographer. I have no memory of this relationship. Remember, he has a twin as a fake out in this one episode and the twin works at a mortuary. Nope, that will all be new to me. Okay, you've seen, you know the actor I'm talking about, though. I, I know which actor you mean. Yeah, he's, uh, you'll know him from, we'll talk about him when we get to those episodes, but yeah, I feel like every Charmed One has one iconic love interest and with the exception of, actually with the exception of Paige. Name one of Paige's love interests. Well, they just kept throwing guys at her and changing their minds about what they wanted to do with her. Paige is like a forebearer of modern Charmed in that they introduced her and they didn't know what to do with her. So they just kept mixing it up until it all became nonsense, which is what I understand happened with modern Charmed. You're not into, uh, hey, look, it's Eric Balfour and he's, I don't know, magic Batman or something. I don't know. Like, I think he's, like, a billionaire who fights magic crime or something. I don't know. None of the love... One of the love interests is, like, a boxer who was cursed to die on his 25th birthday. Wait, why 25? Why would you go with 25 when you could have gone with, like, the iconic 27? Uh, I don't know. They break the curse, and I guess he's kind of... I, I don't know. I... I'm very passingly familiar with New Charmed. It's one of those things where we really wanted it to be good. I think you made it through the first episode, and I made it through a few episodes. I wanted to like it. I really, really did. It's, well, I mean, we, we've we talked about this before. It has Once Upon a Time Season 7 Syndrome, where it seems like the writers get bored with the plots really quickly and just move on to new stuff. We've talked about this before. I'm, but... You know what? We'll get to New Charmed, I don't know, as a stretch goal or something on the Patreon. I really need to, like, do those. Um, It's weird. It's like, CW has surprised me in the past. Like, I did not expect to like Riverdale, and I do. Riverdale's fun. Like, people talk a lot of smack about Riverdale, but it knows what it is. Like also, I was one of the people slamming the new planned dark and gritty Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff Girls, but then when I saw Diablo Cody's writing it, now I'm like, okay, okay, I'm on board. I'm tentatively on board. Just, I'm sorry. Like, just make your own damn TV show. You don't have to have it be Powerpuff Girls. You could be doing a riff off Powerpuff Girls. Everyone would know what you were doing and you wouldn't be honking people off so much. 
like Brightburn was very obviously just one of those evil Superman uh, stories that people feel like they're obligated to keep telling. And Ugh. yeah, no, that's a good point though. So Charmed, Charmed, we're talking Charmed classic. Charmed classic. We're talking about episode twenty-two, Deja Vu all over again. Fun fact: mm-hmm. the season four episode of Xeno Warrior Princess that aired the same week as this episode was also called Deja Vu all over again. Wow, that is a weird coincidence. Also, I, I guess it makes sense. It's weird to think of Xena as being older than Charmed. I, I think of them as occupying the same general time period, but... I, well, I mean, it started three years earlier and then ran concurrently. I mean, that's, that's close enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is more mid-90s than late-90s. Yeah, and I, I mean, we talk about the 90s, but uh, this is this is actually our last... Wait, that's not true. I was going to say this is our last 90s episode, but no, this is the end of season one, so this is, you know, May 1999, and then we'll have the fall of 1999, but we're going to be hitting our, our first 2000 episode pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know, I mean, we can still make fun of the 90s, because I don't feel like the aughts started until, like, oh, 2003. Of course not. Like, the 80s ended in 1993. Like, every decade spills into the next decade some. Yeah. This episode was directed by Les Sheldon, who we saw earlier in From Fear to Eternity. Oh, yeah. yay, Barbus. I mean, that was, that was a solid episode. And this episode was written, unsurprisingly, by Constance M. Burge and Brad Kern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the season finale. It's just to be expected. Yeah. Lots of major stuff happening in this episode. Yeah. Andy dies. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're getting Prue out of her one plot. Leaving her with, for the rest of her run on the show, no plots. Oh, Prue. I'm looking forward to her being turned into a dog and being turned invisible and being turned into a man and uh, being suspicious of Cole. I think being suspicious of Cole is the only thing she really gets to do that's like a running character thing after this point. Well, we talked a little bit when we started this podcast about how this season... Is Prue's story. Is Prue's story. And you're right, Prue's story ends with, not with her dying... In a couple of seasons, but with Andy dying right now, that that really is kind of the end of her story. Oh, and the episode where she gets single white femaled. Yes. God. Speaking of the 90s. Yes. Is single white female one of those things like Bucket List or Catfish where people use the term now and don't really think about the fact that it came from a movie? I think it was back when it was something people actually say. I don't think people use single white female anymore. Oh. You know what? I bet it fell out of favor because people don't really take out that kind of ad anymore. Yeah. I mean, it it does kind of require a few layers of cultural knowledge to understand just as a term. Isn't it weird that it was just normal that you would put your race in things like ads for a roommate? I mean, way to, like, brush up against the Fair Housing Act. I, I mean, it doesn't actually violate the Fair Housing Act because if you're a single person looking for a roommate, you're not bound by those laws. But it's still icky. Like. History is a horror show. Also, who needs to know your marital status? Well, I mean, a roommate would probably. Okay, I guess. But not, like, whether or not you're dating. Oh, yeah, I guess single. Uh, no, but, no, no, you're right. That's probably single as opposed to married. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, roommate does need to know that. That is their business. Well, just think about how uh, much less trouble 
Zach from Saved by the Bell would have gotten in when he moved in with Max on Happy Endings if he had just told Max that he was married and using this as a secret sex pad. Yeah, they definitely would not have outed him to his wife if they had known that it was his his secret apartment apartment. Such a good episode. It really is. Uh, Happy Endings is a good show. Yeah, I... I'm constantly disappointed by Adam Polly not being in good stuff. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Because I love him so much as an actor, and he's basically not been in anything good since... I I liked Making History. I know you weren't as huge a fan of it. But, I mean, he was essentially playing Max from Happy Endings, but as a time traveler in that. Yeah, no, it wasn't... He wasn't wasn't the problem. I just didn't care for that show. Oh, last night we watched Most Likely to Commit Murder. It had Rachel Bloom in it. It criminally, it criminally underused its cast. Like, it had Adam Pauly, Rachel Bloom, Vincent Carthizer, Frenchie from Grease, and yet no musical numbers. I mean, to quote Gene from Bob's Burgers, why is no one singing? Why is no one dancing? Uh, yeah, I just... We didn't even finish it. it. So I don't know. Maybe there's a musical number in the last 20 minutes. But we were 20 minutes from the end and I was like, let's call it. This is terrible. Let's go watch the new episode of Lower Decks instead. See, the thing is, I don't think it was terrible. I mean, it was just, it was such a by the numbers movie. Like, it felt like you could leave for 20 minutes at literally any point in the movie and not miss anything. I was seriously tuning out for major blocks of the movie. Yeah, it, but, I mean, we were talking about Is It Worse Than Twitches, a movie which we did finish despite it being, I think, demonstrably worse than... Twitches is a movie about twin witches who were who were separated at birth, played by Tia and Tamara Maori. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's not good. It's... Okay, so apparently, uh, we, we looked it up afterwards, apparently it is based off of a series of books. Okay, so here's the thing. About Twitches, a movie which I'm sure you have not heard of, although, hey, it ties in to Charmed. Yeah, yeah, we're... we're... We're getting back around. Hey, should I make Twitches a stretch goal on our Patreon? Oh, God. I think... Sam Sam thinks no. Poor Sam had to watch it. I have this thing where I'm saving letters for her, um, for, for her to read when she's older, and I actually wrote one about all of us sitting down and watching this terrible, terrible movie <laughs> after we watched Twitches. But uh, the thing about Twitches that you were going to say... It's based on a series of YA novels where the twin witches are 12 years old. They didn't change any of the characterization of the girls, but they made them 25. So you're watching the movie like, why are these 25-year-old women acting like 12-year-old girls? I'm so confused. Also, they have all these things which apparently were supposed to be shout-outs to the books, like where one of them has a really emotional dad and someone like mentions that he's got a lot of empathy and apparently the character's an empath in the books. And I'm like, I think that would just hawk me off if I was a fan of those books trying to watch this movie. I can't imagine. I can't. You know what I want to do? You know what I really want to do? Uh, pay Dominic Noble to compare them uh, as sort of a, not follow-up exactly, but just, we just watched his Wizards of Earthsea. Uh, oh, yeah, not related to Wizards of Earthsea, but yeah, join, he has, as one of his top Patreon tiers, you get to choose one of his next episodes. Yes, I want to join at that tier and make him watch the Twitches for his Lost in Adaptation. Watch and read, I'm assuming. He's well, not already a fan of the books. Well, I mean, their YA novels are probably a pretty fast, easy read. Mm-hmm. All right, so we should actually get into I this episode. I was just going to say, you ready to talk about the episode now? For no. real now. <laughs> All right, so 
The episode opens with, what's his name? Rodriguez. Rodriguez, who's flipping through pictures of the Charmed Ones, and he's like, I'm going to get those Charmed Ones. I'm sorry. This should have been Hannah. Okay. Absolutely, it should have been Hannah. I do have to say, shout out to the director. I really like the way this shot is framed. He's looking through this stack of photos of the girls that he has, and he's sitting at a glass top desk, and he's like angrily flipping the pictures over, and it's shot from below the desk, so we're seeing the pictures as he angrily flips them over. It is a good piece of camera work. It's pretty cool, and it's the kind of interesting shot that you don't usually think of seeing on Charmed. Yes. So credit where credit is due. Yes, but you're right. This should have been Hannah. Uh, the whole thing. This character wasn't built up enough to really be the season ender. This ep- this season didn't really feel like it had the kind of build that you expect from a show that... Again, Charmed doesn't really have big bads outside of the source. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. We're talking about this season ender, like like being a season ender means anything. This episode really could have come at any point in the series. Yeah. So he's flipping through the pictures of the Charmed Ones, and he's like, I'm going to get those Charmed Ones, when suddenly, <gasps> out of the fireplace, it's a hooded figure. Ah! This is one of those fireplaces that's, like, in the middle of the room. I love those. Like, in uh, like in the second Superman movie at their hotel room. Mm. Anyway. Uh, it's David Carradine. Yep, yep. A.K.A. Tempest, the demon of time. Okay. 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 How much was David Carradine phoning this in? I think he's going for something. I think he's going for, like, lofty arrogance. Okay, is he just not that good of an actor then? Because, I mean, I guess the only other thing I've seen him in is Kill Bill, where he also does this kind of, I don't know, monosyllabic, not monosyllabic, but he's just... He does not feel into this. I mean, the the thing he's mostly known for is Kung Fu, a TV show where he plays a half-Chinese Shaolin monk who travels across America beating people up, I think. That, that's the premise of Kung Fu, right? I, th- I think so. I think it's like a Incredible Hulk, like, going from village to village, setting right when once went wrong. Wait, no, that's Quantum Leap. But yeah, no, I think that's... that's. I mean, what, weren't all TV shows in that time period basically just a guy travels across America using his special skill, be it turning into Lou Ferrigno or hitting people. I mean, that's what The Fugitive was about, too. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I guess that's just what the 70s were. But anyway, he was then ironically cast in a in Kill Bill, you know the way. Quentin Tarantino likes to cast people. Ironically, yeah. So, I guess what I'm getting at is, I don't know if he actually ever was a good actor. Yeah. Point. But you know what? He's fine. He's... He's certainly up to the level of everyone else on Charmed. It's fine. Okay. You know what? I'll, I'll get into it when we get to it. But uh, Shannon Doherty is poorly done by having this performance up against Holly Marie Combs' performance last episode when it looked like Leo was dying. Oh, yeah. That is, that is, that is, yeah, that is absolutely true. Also, I didn't know where to say it, but I guess I'll say it here. Apparently in Shannon Doherty's memoir, she mentions that she and Holly Marie Combs were in a fight when they were filming this episode. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah, just a thing to think about. Uh, Speaking of people who are phoning it in, let's talk about the writing. Tempest is like, 
I was sent as a gift to help you defeat the Charmed Ones. And Rodriguez is like, who sent you? And he's like, I think you know. Let's go kill the Charmed Ones. Don't worry about it. I'm here. Not that you need... I mean, the whole premise is that demons show up to kill the Charmed Ones. It's not like you need a huge, like, backstory. But it's pretty funny that... They ask the question only to not answer it. Okay, so I love that Rodriguez spends this, like, the first, when David Carradine, Tempest, first shows up, he, like, falls to his knees in front of him. And then as soon as Tempest is like, like, get up, dude, I'm here to help you, he starts treating him like his indentured servant, like, immediately. He's like, oh, okay, so you're going to do whatever I say then. Yeah, that's not the dynamic they're going to have, though. Nope, nope. Tempest is a... Tempest is going to do it his way, like Frank Sinatra and Sid Vicious before him. Yeah, so Tempest is going to set up a time loop. Okay, here's the thing. Yes, that is correct. He's going to set up a time loop. He does not tell Rodriguez this. And he doesn't tell us this. The show is not going to establish that we're dealing with a time loop until we've completed the first loop. Like, I was going to, you know, so they can have the fake out of Phoebe dying, but... This is, this is before the internet was what it is now. I mean, it existed, but it wasn't what it is now. So I guess it could it could have been a shock. I guess it could be believable that Alyssa Milano's character would be killed. Especially if you knew the backstage drama with Alyssa Milano and Shannon Doherty. My thoughts were more, okay, Tempest the Demon of Time shows up. How do we think this is going to go? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just like, who are they trying to kid tell- with the fake out of Phoebe dying, which we'll get to. But but in retrospect, I guess that's believable. You know, it's less believable. An effing paper boy in the year of our Lord, 1999. OK, so um, that was a, an office thing, right? <laughs> Where Kevin's like got up super early and he's like, and it turns out that paper boy is it a boy on a bike. It's a guy in a car! Uh, remember the King of the Hill episode where Bobby gets uh, a job as a paper boy and he has to deal with all of the guys in cars who got fired so that yes. they could hire... Scabs. Yeah. Since this is a time loop episode, we open on a bunch of establishing things that can be repeated over the course of the episode. Right. So first we're watching The Weather Girl, played by Nancy O'Dell. Hi, Nancy O'Dell. Of Access Hollywood and Entertainment Tonight. I look forward to seeing you in a bunch of movies inexplicably because they do that in movies for some reason. Okay, so, but Nancy O'Dell hasn't done that a lot, and she has not been in any of the Sharknado movies, which is where you would expect to see that. God. I'm sorry. I don't like the Sharknado movies. I like bad movies, but I don't like movies that are, like, aiming for bad. Like, just... The way those movies work, they're just structured around being like, oh, this is the kind of bad monster movie you watch, you know, in college with a bunch of your friends when you're being fun. A good bad movie requires an element of sincerity that the Sharknado movies lack. Thank you. Yes. A good bad movie requires someone to have a strong vision at some point. It needs someone to actively believe in it as a legitimate property. Have you ever performed the play Little Shop of Horrors? I have not. So an interesting thing about when you perform the play Little Shop of Horrors is there is a note at the beginning of the script when you order the script from, uh, I forget which company has a license, Samuel French or... Uh, but when you order the script, there's a little note at the beginning that says, essentially, 
you need to play this straight. This is not camp. This is not a joke. This play only works if you are sincere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, I've if you've been following me on Twitter, you know I've been going through some Silver Age comic plot lines. And the thing I think that works about them that tends not to work about uh, that tends not to work with homages to the Silver Age is that they're treated seriously in universe. They're all very wacky situations, but the characters take them seriously because these things are seriously happening to them. And you need that, otherwise, you need a character to be invested in the story, otherwise the story does not work. Which is sort of touching on some of the things that don't work so much about later Charmed, but... Um, yeah, in film school I actually wrote a paper about Ed Wood's, um... Plan 9 from Outer Space? Oh no, 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 uh, Orgy of the Dead. <laughs> All right then. Yes, uh, that movie was, he wrote it at the end of his career, and it was basically... Really? And it was basically a porno. It was like all of these girls in Halloween monster makeup dancing topless is like the bulk of the movie. Mm. But when I was pitching it to my professor to be like, "This, you should let me do a serious take on this movie. Like, you should let me do a serious analysis of it. I was talking about how, um, I was talking about how Ed Wood works as a filmmaker because of the sincerity of his films, and I contrasted that with Roger Corman, whose films were basically Sharknado. Um, Ed Wood, you know, had a vision, he just had no talent to enact that vision, um, whereas Roger Corman was just doing... Workhorse stuff. He, he was just churning out, yeah, workhorse stuff, he was just churning it out as cheaply as possible, and making a buck. And that's fine. There's a place for that, I guess. But there's a reason that Ed Wood's stuff sticks around. And Roger Corman, like, what's... Name any I mean, Roger I mean, Corman... I'm sure, I'm sure lots of people can name Roger Corman movies. They're, they're out there. But name a Roger Corman movie that people care about as much as they care about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only one I can think of off the top of my head, you, I'm willing to bet you can guess. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, no, actually. Uh, I was going to go with the unreleased Fantastic Four movie that was made for rights purposes only. Oh. <laughs> which it feels like half the Fantastic Four movies are just made... To for... preserve the rights? I know, right? Which, no. uh, not an issue anymore. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say the original Little Shop of Horrors, which, again, people only know and care about because of the musical, which is sincere. Boy, we are really avoiding talking about this episode, aren't we? This is weird, yeah. Okay, so you were saying, before I went off on a tangent about how much I love Ed Wood, the... Sorry, I'm not gonna... I was about to... Even saying his name makes me want to go off on more tangents about him. Anyway, you were saying we're doing the thing where we establish all of the little things that happen throughout the day. As you will know from any time loop property ever. So there's the weather girl doing the forecast. Phoebe gets a call from Quake. Uh, Piper has spilled marinara sauce on a shirt. She's about to be interviewed by the Food Network and she needs a new dress, shirt. Dress. Dress. And there is a car accident outside, which... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before the car accident, Hmm? Kit knocks over a pepper shaker. Ah, Kit Watch 2020. Kit knocks over a pepper shaker. Apparently, I heard somewhere that they actually lost the cat in between seasons, which is why in season two, Kit mostly shows up as uh, stock footage. 
Oh, that's interesting, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Could they just not find another cat? Well, I mean, I bet they, I bet they figured how expensive is it to hire an animal trainer versus, I mean, we have the stock footage, they hardly use her. It's true. Kit does not get a lot of play. I feel like Kit being here at all is a Constance and Burge thing. That too. Yeah. So, car accident outside. Yes, car accident outside. Uh, Prue? Apparently, uh, Phoebe parked Prue's car last night, and she doesn't remember whether she did it in the driveway or not, but it turns out that she did, and the car that got hit is a neighbor's. Why would you not park it in the driveway? I'm so confused by that little back and forth. Yeah, do do they have two cars at this point? They or? do have two cars, so okay, but they both fit in the driveway. That that's true. At my at my old place, uh, our driveway only fit one car, so the other car you had to do street parking, which wasn't a huge deal because there was street parking at my old place. Sure. But it was frustrating when someone else was parked in front of your house, and you're like, Ugh. Yeah, no, I I know the feeling. So, meanwhile, Prue has been looking at the newspaper, and Andy is in trouble, which is apparently front-page news. Okay, seriously, what newspaper is this where cop under investigation is front-page news? I mean... Also, why is this public knowledge? Yeah, this is, this is an open investigation. Why is this on the cover of the San Francisco Ledger? Also, inspector suspected in L.A. murder... I.A. murder, internal affairs. Oh, that makes more sense because, you know, they're in San Francisco, not L.A. (laughs) Sorry, brain moment. But, yeah, why would that be in the newspaper? That's... So... Hey, everyone, learn about this ongoing case. (sighs) No one on this show is competent, so. I, I, oh, I can't screen cap. Um, I just want to point out, because I, we, we paused on the, on the paper so that we could look at what the headline actually says. It says, Inspector Suspected an IA Murder, and then below that, like, the subheadline is, Andrew Trudeau, Prime Suspect in IA Murder. Wow. That is an unnecessary subheadline. <laughs> Include more information in your subheadline or just skip it. Well, maybe this is the newspaper that that reporter who was trying to expose them works for. We know that's not very well run. That's true. It also says local resident Dave Magus found dead. Um, was that, is that a, is that a reference to something that happened earlier? Or is that just what their stock paper said? Probably what the stock paper said, I'm guessing. It's only because his name is, is, is Magus that I'm like, wait, is that, was that a demon they vanquished? Not familiar off the top of my head i'm sure if it is someone will tell us about it gotcha oh and also this isn't the this isn't the newspaper the other guy worked for because he worked for the alt weekly he worked there for the san francisco alt weekly so phoebe's like what let me see that paper and she has a premonition of andy dying in their living room yep which is gonna be so hard to explain I mean, you're already looking pretty suspicious. And then when he, like, takes the heat, when he obviously takes the heat because he's covering for you, in fact, it appears that he killed another cop to continue to cover for you, and then he shows up dead in your living room? I, honestly, the only reason they get away with it is because 
we're assuming Daryl burned a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and they're going to reveal later that Andy, like, came clean to Daryl and told him to watch out for the Charmed Ones, you know, if something happened to him. Uh, he does not tell Daryl about the witch thing, though. Daryl does not learn that until later. Right, I'm sorry, he just tells them to look out for them. So, I mean... Daryl's a really good guy. He's putting his... He's putting a lot of his stuff on the line for women he does not know very well. Also, I mean, think about it from his point of view. Andy's, like, clearly going out of his way to cover for Prue, who appears to be committing all sorts of murders. Mm. And, and feather stealings. And, fe- <laughs> and feather stealings. Then he loses his job over it. Then he gets killed doing it. And Daryl's like, well, his dying wish was that I keep this up, so... Guess I will. I mean, he's dead. You don't really owe... Also, how long were you two partners? Because, I mean, we know that Andy worked as a cop in Portland for a little while, but he I guess he did come back long enough to get married and divorced for that one episode. Maybe uh, maybe uh, they were maybe they were partners before he left. How old is everyone supposed to be here? Cuz we know he was childhood friends with them. And how old is Prue? Like, 25, 26, 27? Yeah, something around there. That marriage must not have lasted very long. I don't know. Time, whatever with timelines. Whatever. What is time? You know, uh, in our previous uh, our, our previous podcast, our, our Welcome to Storybrooke podcast, one of, our, one of our phrases was, what is time? And no, in no episode has it been more appropriate than this one. What is Tempest? Speaking of time, we go to credits and then we come back with 40 seconds of establishing shots of San Francisco. A lot, but not the worst they've ever done. I just, I feel like when I say it, you're like, 40 seconds, that doesn't, 40 seconds is a long time. Mm. I cannot emphasize enough how long that is. So, Prue's freaking out-ish, she's like, Oh no, not Andy. How did he die, Phoebe? And Phoebe's like, blunt force trauma? I don't know. I just saw us kneeling over his corpse. Well, I mean, she's interrogating Phoebe. And Phoebe's like, I didn't see a witch. And, And Phoebe's like, I didn't see a demon. I didn't see another warlock. I didn't. And it's like, Prue, believe us, Phoebe would have told you if she had seen any other relevant information. So Phoebe tells Prue to be careful because since she didn't see the demon, they don't know what kind of demon they're going up against. Yeah, it could be anyone, anywhere, but... I mean, you don't even know it's a demon. Yeah, could just be a guy. He could just, like, get shot by a guy in your house, like, warring it with Tara. Yeah, or someone... Piper could have set up a really powerful fan and then turned it on as he walked into the room and it just blew him into one of the walls. What a weird thing to say. I'm just thinking of non-traditional ways one could die in the Hollowell house. He could have honked off Prue. He could have honked off Kit. <laughs> Kit's just throwing people all over the place. I mean, we don't know. We don't know how much power she has. But yes, Prue is going to go warn Andy, and uh, Phoebe's going to go bring the dress to Piper. Because I mean, you can't just stop your life every time Phoebe gets a vision. I guess. Mm. So. Andy's talking to Daryl about, like, you know, Rodriguez, and Daryl's like, so, 
why aren't they suspecting Rodriguez? And uh, Andy's like, oh, I, IA already cleared him because they protect their own. And it's like, you're also one of their own. You're all cops. Come on. Honestly, talking about cop stuff is really weird. Um, but here we are. So Andy doesn't want to talk to Rodriguez because, you know, he's suspected of murder. And as a cop... He knows that you should never talk to cops, not even if, in fact, I would go as far as to say, especially if you are innocent. Mm. So, boy, can you tell that D.W. King, T.W. King? T.W. King. T.W. King is on his way out. Andy has been phoning it in for quite some time at this point, and it's really apparent here that he is 10,000% done with this show. I mean, he could just be 10,000% done with Rodriguez, but no, you're right, he's pretty done with it. So, Rodriguez is like, look, I know that supernatural things are killing people, and I know that your girlfriend has some sort of weird magic power, and I just want to talk to her about it because I loved my partner, and I want to find who killed him. And hey, like, I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. They're never there to help you. Yeah. At least Andy, who is also a cop, knows this. Yeah. Andy blows it off because he's like, I know Prue Hollowell's a witch. And uh, Andy's like, well, why don't you just drop a house on her? <laughs> Wizard of Oz. And Rodriguez keeps going with the narrative. He's like, look, something demony killed my partner, which is technically true. Yeah. And I want help, you know, stopping whatever did it, which is that, that's not That's definitely a true. lie. Yep. So, look, just set up a meeting with me and Prue. We'll talk it out. It'll be fine. Then he leaves and has a intense eye battle with Daryl, who there is no way Daryl did not hear all of that. He was standing directly on the other side of the door, or well, these soundproof doors. Also, you can see in, this, in the shots of Rodriguez, you can see that the camera is recording. The red light is flashing. So Daryl could have been watching it all on the camera. Hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tempest is hanging out in, like, a clock store. In front of, like, an antique clock store? Yeah. Yeah. Sure, why not? And then Rodriguez walks past, like, a flower cart, because it's scenic downtown San Francisco, mm -hmm. and he just grabs a carnation off the flower cart, which... Rude. Rude! He's evil. The name of this clock shop is Symphony of Time, which I kept thinking should be a pun, but it's not. It's pun adjacent. I feel like some combination of The Good Place and Bob's Burgers and, heck, Once Upon a Time kind of ruined non-pun shop names for me. Also living in Portland? Also living in Portland. Did you know that we have a dog boarding place called Virginia Wolf? God, I did not know that. I know that a few blocks away from us is a very sketchy bird daycare that just... It's just a regular house that has bird daycare, like, duct taped on the window. And I'm like, I don't know if bird owners have limited options when it comes to boarding their birds, but I don't think I would trust this place. Bird daycare. I mean, no, that is what it is. <sighs> so Tempest is like, so you're going to kill the Hollowells tonight? And Rodriguez is like, shut up, guy I was afraid of earlier. So... 
at Quake, Phoebe has brought Piper a new dress, one that is dark blue instead of the powder blue dress that she's wearing, which, if you knew you were going to be cooking marinara, I, this, maybe this is just my Italian roots, but listen, if you know you're going to be cooking marinara, you do not wear a color that light. You wear black or red. What? Who taught you to cook? Also, since when does Piper cook? I mean, I know that's what she was hired to do, but she's... Uh, and when they talk about her job in this episode, this is also the death of the what is Piper's job plotline, but when they talk about her job, she talks about being the restaurant manager. And so, that she doesn't want to be manager. Her dream is to be a chef. Which, which that's what she was hired for. Uh, I know, we can't, we can't... The good thing is we can't keep harping on this joke because this is the last time it will appear. It's not a joke. It's a genuine, what are they doing? But for at least a few episodes this season, you were the head chef of this restaurant, which one would think would give you all of the freedom you want with none of the risks wait, associated. Wait, she was never the head chef. She was the sous chef. The head chef quit and she was doing all the work, but she was never actually promoted to head chef. Mm. That's the big problem with her situation. Point. And then she kind of just pivoted into being the restaurant manager. Yeah. Which is... Which is weird because the manager didn't quit. So was the prior head chef doing all of the management duties? He did not seem like the management type. That would explain why he left then, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe this restaurant... I'm just imagining, like, Gordon Ramsay doing Kitchen Nightmares on this restaurant now. And him just, like, yelling at the owner, like... Maybe if you didn't expect your chefs to manage the restaurant, they would have time to cook the food for the people. Also, if, if Piper is basically doing the job of the manager, then what is the guy who's making her do everything's job? I think he's the owner. He's, he's just the owner. Yeah. Ugh. No wonder this place crashes and burns after Piper leaves. Yeah. No, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I want a Gordon Ramsay uh, Kitchen Nightmares episode about Quake. Hmm. It would, it would rival Amy's Baking Company for great all-time Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmare episodes. It's the only episode of that show you need to watch. Oh my god, Amy's Baking Company. Ugh. It aired like seven years ago and it's still just like... Don't watch the follow-up. Chef's Kiss. Yeah. Don't watch the follow-up episode, though. It's not good. It's just like... Well, the episode was just so popular that they were like, Oh my goodness, can we cut all of this extra footage into another episode? And the answer was no. Mm. You cannot. Because it's not really a follow-up episode. It's just footage they didn't show. And, like, people talking about... Like, which is weird, because you'd think they could, like, talk to more people or whatever that used to work there. Listen, if you do watch the episode and you're watching it for the first time, or even if it's not the first time you're watching it, um, what's better than the follow-up episode is that the night after it aired, one of the waitresses did a Reddit AMA. So you go search for that. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, the producer of this cooking show segment approaches Piper and is like, Oh, Piper, you haven't changed at all. Remember me from high school? Dead on impersonation. Yes. I don't know. I think you might be a better actress than this lady. I mean, she's just there to be the mean girl from high school, although Piper doesn't remember her, so maybe she's an unpopular girl who's trying to ascend to mean girl hood maybe retroactively but she's like i'm producing this segment where we're interviewing you and i'm super rich and i've got a super rich husband and i'm producing shows on the cooking channel on the food network i can't imagine the food i live network. in new york i live in new york 
<laughs> but okay. yeah, the whole thing about this is that it's supposed to make Piper feel bad, like she's not a super powerful witch who has. I mean, this has to be a pretty high-paying job, right? Okay, like, she's like. I am a restaurant manager who's not married and lives in the house I grew up in. And it's like, I'm sorry, I think what you mean is you own a freaking mansion in San Francisco and also you manage one of the hottest restaurants at the age of 25 and you are such an elite chef that the Food Network is doing a segment on you. Ooh, poor Piper. Also, I have legit magic powers. I mean... uh the ma- I'm, I'm setting the magic powers to the side only because she can't rub that in Joanne's face. Yeah, and she does... Uh, uh, I guess she also can't rub this in Joanne's face, but she didn't, like, technically break up with Leo last episode. I mean, they kind of left their relationship ambiguous, so... I don't feel like my boyfriend lives in Canada is going to impress uh, Joanne, though. Yeah, but, I mean, there's... I guess there's some reason to be jealous of her you know marrying a super rich guy but Uh, there is not there's absolutely not like no that whatever um so i i did want to point out that she obviously tells she tells piper that you look exactly the same which at 10 years is an insult because it means you haven't done anything with your life yet but at 20 is a compliment hmm. because it means you still look so young and in our culture youth is like valued or whatever so piper freezes this woman because she's making her feel bad about herself i i love when piper does these freezes that serve no purpose other than letting her throw a tantrum like honestly piper must be great at emotional regulation because she can just like freeze everyone in the middle of a fight and like scream into a pillow and then like come back and have a normal healthy productive discussion i mean she could in theory she doesn't but she could So, she uh, she lets Phoebe be like, hey, Piper, shut up. You've got so much going on for you. Unlike me, I'm, you know, unemployed and I'm the show's designated loser at this point. Although, just wait a couple of seasons. Oof. Speaking I mean, of rich boyfriends and unearned success. Yeah. I mean, her boyfriend was like the king of, the, of hell. That's, that's, good job. And after that, she dated a billionaire, someone who's arguably more evil than the King of Hell. Um, I would I would drop the word arguably. Cole gets done so dirty in this show. We're all very excited to get to Cole, but for now we've got Andy. Oh, for, I feel for like now. I feel like there should have been a major love interest with a B name in between Andy and Cole. Oh yeah. Well, well, don't forget Cole is Balthazar. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. So, so Prue meets Andy in a park to, like, tell him that he can't come to her house or he'll die. Presumably Wendigo Park? Yeah, I think that is definitely Wendigo Park. So, he tells her that Rodriguez wants to meet up with her, but he's hella suspicious of Rodriguez. Which, fair. Honestly, though, in these shots, I didn't realize it before, but... He does. He looks like 10 years older than the last time we saw him. I, You know what? I think you're right. I think T.W. King is just done. Well, we'll especially see that in his post-death scene later this episode. 
but they have a conversation which has a bunch of stuff that can get echoed later in the episode. She tells him that he needs to stay away from the house while they confront Rodriguez, and uh, then she kind of half-jokingly says, you know, don't make me cast a spell on you. And this gets repeated two times with sort of increasing severity during each time loop, which I think is an interesting note. I love when time loops do stuff like that. Although I will point out, the time loop where she says it the most severely is the time loop where he barges into the house. Mm. Although, I guess, time resets faster in the first two loops, so maybe he would have barged in in those loops too if time didn't reset. Yeah. So Rodriguez is going up the steps to the Hollowell Manor when Kit Watch 2020. Kit's like, hey, I know you're a demon. Hey, hey. Yes. And he, like, just looks at her and then walks into the house. Because Kit's good at recognizing demons, but she's not really great at stopping them from killing people. Look at what happened at her... Look at at what happened to her first owner. Yeah, well, not only that, she hisses at Rodriguez... She really needs to go in the house and give the girls a heads up. The sisters who, by the way, have decided to gather in the foyer to talk about what to do so that they're all, like, in a clump in case a demon bursts through the door and tries to kill them. God. I mean, I appreciate that this episode needs to fit in three time loops, so we need to, like, move it along. But seriously, this conversation should be happening in the attic. Yeah. Yeah, they're, and they're each in a separate part of the room so that he can try his hand at killing them individually one by one. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, anyway, they're talking about... They're talking about the fact that Rodriguez is about to come, and it is precisely six. Yep. So he starts banging and ringing the bell super incessantly, and Prue goes upstairs... Piper goes into the other room, and Phoebe answers the door. Of course, Phoebe, the one person who doesn't have an active power. I mean, to be fair, Phoebe's thinking, he's not going to just come in, fireballs blazing, and kill us. But she's wrong. Yeah, he hits her with an energy bolt. She goes flying into the wall, rolls down the stairs, and is le dead. It's an intense-looking stunt. She slams into the wall, and then she topples down those stairs. Yeah, it looks like they just attached a, one of those wires to a her harness. and just yeah. yanked her into the wall. That's absolutely what I'm sure they did. I mean, not Alyssa Milano, but her stunt double. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Although, I don't know if the Charmed Ones get better neck strength at any given point. But they tend to have this happen to them a lot later in the show, and it's never really deadly until uh, it kills Prue. Okay, well, that's the thing about falls in, like, real life, too. Either they kill you or they don't. Humans are super weak if you hit us at the wrong angle. Like, you can survive a lot if you don't hit the wrong angle, but if you hit just, I was just right, not, if you hit just wrong when you fall, it's like, yeah. Uh, Later in the show, they say that Piper's having fertility issues because of all the blunt force trauma she's had over the years. That's not how the uterus works. That is not how the uterus works. I would think that the reason she's having trouble conceiving is because Leo's an ethereal being of some sort. And, you know, it isn't until... He's got ghost sperm. He's got ghost sperm. And, in fact, she has no problems getting pregnant after the elders were like, you know what, fine, you and Leo can have a kid. So I feel like maybe the elders were blocking it somehow, and they were just using the whole blunt force trauma thing as an excuse. It's like an elder condom, God. like Leo unknowingly had wrapped around his junk. There's just orbs around. Oh, no, 
the elders just like orbed his sperm out of her out of oh her cervix. God. This is what they spend their time doing. I thought you were gonna say this is what we spend our time thinking about. <laughs> but uh yeah, Phoebe's dead. Yes, and Piper runs in and freezes Rodriguez before he can send another energy bolt, you know, her way. Yeah, well, after he starts sending another energy bolt, Prue just redirects the energy bolt back into him and he curplodes. Yes, uh, in this is significant because the Charmed Wiki lets me know that this is the first time that Prue has done the thing where she takes an energy blast or, you know, a demon blast and pushes it back onto them while he's frozen. Weirdly enough, this is something that uh, Phoebe will be capable of after she gets her empathy powers, even though this is in no way empathy. Well, Phoebe's powers and Prue's powers, as we have discussed, their secondary powers should have been swapped, but... Mm. So, Prue... Or- in Phoebe's case, tertiary power. I mean, I guess the empathy thing works more with... Oh, yeah, because her secondary power is... Uh... The levitation. Yeah. That's, oh. That doesn't make any sense. Is tertiary the right word there? Yeah, tertiary is the word. Okay. But, yeah, Phoebe's powers kind of jump all over the place. I guess the empathy thing does sort of work isn't in that it's a mental power, but also their definition of empathy is weird... I mean, yeah, we'll get into that when we get into the empathy, the empathy power. Speaking of, they they replaced it with, uh, they replaced it with mind reading in New Charmed. Uh huh. Until you know, the soft reboot season, where they lost all of their charmed powers and then got new powers, and suddenly she had the premonitions. Well, listen, mind reading makes more sense, but it's too powerful. Mind reading's just too powerful. Is it? Mind reading's really powerful. I mean, full-on telepathy, yeah, but just knowing what people are thinking. Yeah. And I think it was tactically based to, like, Phoebe's premonitions. Oh. Okay, that's a lot less powerful, yeah. And, like, the Freezing Sisters' power switched to, like, actually freezing. Like, with ice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what New Charm is doing. Anyway, Phoebe's dead. And over at Rodriguez's apartment, Tempest is like, oh, now I have to throw this sparkly sand. And then, do you though? The thing is, the power of three isn't a threat if any of the sisters get killed. Right? Like, so, it didn't go exactly how you planned, but you got Phoebe out. They can't cast power of three spells anymore. You're pretty much in the clear. Also, how much, even if you really, really needed all three sisters to be dead, how much easier is it going to be to kill the other two now that they don't have power of three? Yeah. Like, stop trying to go in there and get a three for Just, you got Phoebe. One down, two to go. Take the win, dude. But no, he rewinds time. Wait, can we talk about what he's wearing? Sure. Okay. Okay. So he's wearing a shiny red button-up shirt, buttoned up all the way to the top, even though he's not wearing a tie. Hmm. And then over that, he's wearing a leather duster that has no sleeves. A sleeveless leather duster. Honestly, this is a pretty classic demon look. I wish they kept it around more instead of just everyone, you know, wearing black on black later. I mean, I, honestly, I wish they had done some more work to make him look demony with, like, prosthetics or something. Eh, I'm fine with them not making him demony looking, but... The... I, I just feel like it kind of sets a bad precedent for later in the show when they're just like, you know what, we're not going to make anyone look demony anymore. 
yeah, it does it does let them get lazy, but I, I'm okay with it. I feel like Balthazar is kind of the last demon we get who has like a demon form that we get to see. I don't think that's right, but I guess we'll see when we get to it. Yeah. So yeah, Balthazar. Balthazar. Good. So yeah, Tempest rewinds time and. Uh... Decurplodes Rodriguez. Welcome to, welcome to Hollowell Manor. <laughs> no, just kidding. But yeah, time loop. Time loop. Yeah. And this is where we find out that Tempest has set up a time loop and... Oh yeah, I said that at the top, but I forgot. Yeah, we're... um Almost halfway through the episode? Well, we're a third of the way through the episode. Mm, yes. And uh, yeah, now we are learning that it's going to be an episode about time loops. In case you didn't already pick up with the time wizard that it was going to be an episode of time loops. So, Tempest tells Rodriguez, like, look, I'm just going to keep resetting time until you get this right. You can do this as many times as you want. And, like, look. Only you will know what happened in the time loops. Only you will know what happened in the time loops. Unless, you know, perhaps one of the Charmed Ones has some sort of psychic powers that might make her aware of this sort of thing. But, eh, what, who knows what the Charmed Ones' powers are anyway. Also, you're definitely going to feel your death at, like, a fundamental level so that you don't mess around. Like, um, like in that Piers Anthony book, Kilobyte, where it gives you just, like, a little bit of a shock when you die so that you don't, like... Hope you don't have a heart condition, anyone who's playing this game. I'm sure hey, that he should have read the instructions and not put it directly over his pacemaker. So, <laughs> that book. so not reading the instructions is the big bad of Kilobyte. Yeah, yeah. Also, Colleen is is Colleen in that one, or was she the Colleen's the name of the girl in the mode, mode books? I forget the name of the girl in Kilobyte. But she's basically Colleen without suicidal depression. With, with, she, I mean, she's she's the she's the very young girl who hooks up with the very old guy, but she, but she's like eighteen and he's like in his forties. Oh, yeah, I, I thought he was thirty something. Okay, but, maybe he's in his thirties. But like. And the thing that makes them connect is that he's paralyzed in real life, but she has diabetes. Yes, no one wants to have sex with her because of her diabetes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, she had the perfect boyfriend. And in fact, he's so perfect, he helps them out later, but he broke up with her when... Because it freaked him out. Because he's like, I, I'm sorry, even though I'm the most perfect man and actually in your age group, I can't date you because you have diabetes. Yeah, which that's I'm what happens. I'm sure it is very rough to have diabetes, but I don't think limited dating pools is part of the reason why. I mean, honestly, there are terrible people out there, but just because her boyfriend was one of them doesn't mean that she... I, there's nothing wrong with going online and getting your freak on with someone online in a cyber situation, but for her to think that that's her only option is a little ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like Dan Savage says... You know, you tell them that and then they know one thing about you and their reaction tells you everything about them. The weird thing is her boyfriend was supposed to be a pretty good, like a good guy up to the point. Like he, he just drops everything he was doing to help some random cop, ex-cop, whatever, to help some random guy not die halfway across the country. That is nice of him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he felt guilty about breaking up with his girl. And he had that weird, like, his grandma had diabetes or something, and that's why he couldn't date her. I don't know. She she had options other than 
hooking up with some guy who was more than twice her age off the internet. But... I, I do like, I do like, though, it, in Kilobyte, the way it works is they're, they're doing, like, they're, it's basically, like, a combination of WoW and Westworld. Mm, yes. And the scenario that she's enacting, or, you know, without robots, and the scenario that they're enacting is, like, the princess in the tower, and he's playing, like, the wizard who has her imprisoned in the tower, and then she's supposed to, like, hook up with the prince or whatever, and she's in the tower, and she's like, so you want to do this? And he's like, well, but the scenario is you're a princess, and the prince has to come rescue you, and she's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And he's like, all right, let's do it! I like that about her. I like that she's like, whatever. And then when the prince actually does show up, they're like, nah! <laughs> nah. I mean, that's gonna be if virtual if virtual reality ends up progressing to the point that it doesn't kill a bite, which is not unreasonable. I feel. Yeah, I I feel like we could have that now if we had taken like some different branching paths in tech development. Yeah, yeah. but like I feel like the first couple of years for that is gonna kind of devolve into all being sex well yeah right that's what darcy carden says in the good place why must humans take any technology and turn it into porn god i i can't remember what this is i saw a sketch somewhere which was basically about that where this guy's looking for he like he's got a virtual game thing and he's looking for an actual game to play and it's all porn and finally he he finds this thing where he's a wizard who's shooting fire at dragons and he's like okay okay cool I'll, I'll just do this and then it turns into porn and he's like come on now to be fair humans wouldn't it wouldn't just be porn it would be porn and shooting things and that's what kilobyte in the in the book is it's just sex and shooting things does pierce anthony ever have any non-straight characters in his books because I remember there being, like, a joke about someone being gay in one of the later Xanth books, but that's basically it. And I really don't want to revisit him to find out. No, I'm pretty sure not. I'm pretty sure he does not. And the thing is, like, he seems like a nice person in real life from everything I've read, but his books are so creepy if you read them after a certain age. Or, or... If you remember the other day when I was telling you the plot of the book Race Against Time? Oh, God. (laughs) It's one of the things where it's not like Orson Scott Card, where he seems like a legitimately horrible person in real life. Like, Pierce Anthony. He is. He's a legitimately horrible person, which is even more devastating because he wrote books that have so much humanity in them. Like, his books are so empathetic, and to know that that came from somebody who's so terrible and it it, like how do you how do you reconcile yeah exactly it's not like it's not like jk rowling where she turned out to be terrible and you're like oh you know what now that you say that boy some of these descriptions of for instance goblins make me do a double take isn't it weird how all of the bad characters have some significant kind of racialized flaws or are very very fat hmm yeah, but no, with, with Orson Scott Card, and I'm sure there's some of that in his books, but it, most of it is really humane and about, like, what it is to be a, a what, what, it, what it is to be a good person, and it's like... How weird is it that that's... I just, I can't imagine that being adapted well into a movie, which I don't it think... It wasn't? I've, I've, yeah. Because, I mean... 
like the whole second half of the first book is basically just two people writing essays while Ender's like in space. God, I I mean, it it is weird how like Orson Scott Card foresaw the internet, the internet, and also the way that it would be used to harness and weaponize and 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 basically indoctrinate a whole a whole group of young men like weird mm. and unfortunately we don't we don't have a valentine uh, charmed so we're entering the is day this, two day two is this the would you count this as the first loop like this is the first time loop because this is the second time we're seeing this scenario play no out. no no. the first the first time is the first loop so this is this is loop two yes see the paper boy phoebe is having a pretty strong case of deja vu yeah, yeah, she's watching the news, and she's like, huh, okay, and then she's on the phone with Piper, who spilled marinara on her dress, and she's like, wait, hold on. I do really like Alyssa Milano's acting here, because, honestly, the loop only goes two times, mm-hmm. so she has to kind of be catching up, and I feel like the middle part where she doesn't know everything yet is harder, so she's she she's doing, like this is all really familiar and then she starts hitting the details really hard and you believe that she's honestly just figuring this out really fast yeah and she has to be playing the vague a vague sense of unease like how do you play a vague sense of unease yeah good good job Alyssa Milano Prue and Piper don't interact much in this episode do you think that's because they were fighting in real life because Shannon Doherty is kind of not really sharing any scenes with Holly Marie Combs. It seems weird to me that they would set that up just because two of their cast members were fighting, but I don't know, maybe. Mm. So Prue, for some reason, doesn't believe Phoebe when Phoebe's like, wait, I think I, this all seems really familiar. I feel like I've seen all of this before and Prue's, I don't get why Prue's so dismissive of this. Wouldn't you just naturally assume, hey, maybe your powers are growing? I mean, she does have powers, so yes, Prue should just be assuming She does have that. precognitive powers. I, I get really intense deja vu sometimes, though. Sometimes as intense as Phoebe's is here, where it's like, it's not just a split second of deja vu, but I'll feel like entire, you know, an entire long series of events has played out before. So, I don't know. You're right, she has pretty cognitive powers, though. Yeah, I mean, people on the show do... Disregard magic as a possibility when something strange starts happening. Yeah. Which is weird because you're witches, but Prue picks up the paper and I she... mean, if I lived in this world and I knew magic was real, I'd be like, wait, is it magic? All the time. Yeah. So Phoebe has the premonition again, and she's like, oh, Andy's dead. But I've had this premonition before, and Prue's like, wait, Andy's dead? And Phoebe's like, no, this is all really familiar. By the way, this time she says that she had a premonition of him being killed by a demon, where before she just saw him dying. Mm. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but throwing it out there. Well, maybe it's, you know, her remembering what happened in the previous time loop a little bit. Oh, you know what? I bet that is what it is. I was thinking maybe her vision was being, like, more detailed with every loop. But no, I bet you're right. I bet she's incorporating things she remembers from the previous loop. So, Rodriguez has the same scene with Andy, although I love how short he is with Andy because he, he experienced his own death and he's like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I set up a meeting with your little witch girlfriend. Yes, I know witches are real. 
just do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And Andy's like, okay. That's the thing about being in a time loop. I mean, imagine how short and annoyed you would be with everyone all the time. Like, you know when somebody tells you the same story, like, two or three times? Every day. Forever. I know we're not doing recommendations anymore, but I would like to recommend Palm Springs. It's a very good, fresh take on time loop stories. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I... I wholeheartedly back that recommendation. It's weird because it doesn't super bring anything new to the table, but it still... It does bring something new to the table. It it shows a time loop from the point of view of somebody who has been in it for so long and then bringing someone new into it. Mm. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it is new. So Rodriguez basically, you know, yells at Andy to set up the meeting, says that he will expose Prue as a witch if he doesn't, and then storms out of the room. How does Daryl not hear? Daryl's right there. Daryl definitely heard that. I guess let's pay attention to see if he hears it in the third loop. Ooh, good point. So he stalks out of the police station, does not steal a flower this time. He does steal a flower, but he rips it up. Huh. Dude. I mean, demon. You could have just not taken it. But he yells at Tempest in front of the clock store, which, uh, you know, Tempest is still reading that newspaper. You think he's just doing it to be a dick because, like, he can't be getting new information out of it. Maybe he reads really slow and that's why he developed the time looping thing. (laughs) Perhaps, perhaps. Um, No, I think think he's all about style, though. Mm. Yeah. So... Rodriguez is like, ah, where I messed up last time was not killing Piper first because she froze me and then I was dead. That's smart. And I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. And Temp is like, look, dude, I'm just going to keep resetting this until you don't mess it up. So whatever. Yeah. Tempest doesn't care. He has all the time in the world. So Phoebe is trying to convince Piper that they're stuck in a time loop situation and Phoebe's like, I've seen this before. And Piper's like, you mean like in a premonition? (laughs) I don't get why Piper, I mean, I I get her getting a whole new outfit, but like, it's not a huge disaster. She only got sauce on the over. She's wearing, you're you're right. We've been saying dress, but she's wearing a sweater set Mm -hmm. and she only has it on the sweater, not on the camisole, presumably. But the shell is probably not meant to be worn by itself. I mean, it might even be like spaghetti strapped. Yeah. So she, she needs a new outfit. So here comes Joanne. Joanne. So I want to point out Joanne's outfit is uh, very close in color to Piper's, but hers is like a stereotypical late 80s, early 90s power suit, whereas Piper's is, as we said, a sweater set. And I feel like they are definitely the same color to kind of contrast these two women, like this powerful woman and this like... Piper, who doesn't have her life together, even though she absolutely does. Seriously. And her hair is in, like, a business beehive. Uh-huh. Joanne's. I, I don't know what you call that exactly, but uh, Phoebe goes through, like, all of the stuff about Joanne. She's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You went to Baker High with uh, Piper and you married some rich guy and got a nose job, blah, 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 blah. And Joanne's like, what? And also you're a segment producer now. Yes. And Piper and Phoebe's like, we're like, I told you we're in a time loop. Freeze, freeze her and I'll show you. And Joanne's like, 
I'm right here. What? I know. Like, well, I mean, I guess Phoebe doesn't care because. Yeah. They're, they're just going to loop again. Yeah. So. That's the thing about time loops, you know? When you hit the point where you're just being cavalier about everything, you have to be careful that that's not your last loop. So, Phoebe, as soon as Piper freezes time, Phoebe fills her in on all of the information. I'm sorry, she only mentioned a few of those things. She tells Piper all of the stuff about, you know, married, segment producer, blah, blah, blah. Then she has Piper unfreeze her. She lists all of the stuff, and Piper's like, okay, time loop. But also, like, I feel like the, oh, yeah, we are in a time loop is secondary, and the first thing that Piper is feeling is, Oh, wow, you are way ahead in your life and way ahead of me. Like, that's not the relevant information part. Like, that's not the takeaway here, Piper. Seriously. So, Piper asks Phoebe if she thinks the time loop is related to Andy being killed or what. And Phoebe's like, I don't know. Probably? I don't know. But they're going to go home and check out the book Shadows and, you know, screw the segment because whatever. Yeah. So, which... Very different from what we're going to see later in the show. Where they're like, oh, why do I always have to interrupt my life to go do magic? Magic is such a pain. I do like that the Prue and Andy scene is escalating in tension, even though really nothing has changed for Prue in each of these loops. Well, Prue does get a sense that she's had this conversation before. Hmm. And she doesn't have psychic powers, obviously, but I think... It's because of her connection to Andy that she remembers it. Kind of like in The Good Place, how through all of their iterations, Chidi and Eleanor still kind of grew a relationship, even though they forgot about it every time. Yeah. I think here, because Prue and Andy are soulmates, they she remembers the moments she had with him, even though they were erased from her memory. Is this a demonstration of why it's a bad idea to let your soulmate die? What? I feel like you don't need a reason. Why do you need to know why it's bad to let your soulmate die, Max? Don't let your soulmate die. Point. (laughs) Although, I mean, Phoebe's soulmate was definitely Cole. She should definitely not have let him die. Are are you, what point are you arguing here? I'm saying there's a lot of reasons not to let your soulmate die. Either you will die after them because the universe abhors a vacuum, or you have to marry Coop because the universe abhors a vacuum. Maybe the universe just abhors Phoebe. God. <laughs> anyway, so... Having I... to... Couldn't come up with anyone better than Coop. Aw. Anyway, so it's the scene we saw before with Prue and Andy, except, as you said, the tension is ratcheted up because it's the second time through. And Prue's like, look, Andy, I still love you even though we broke up or whatever. So, like... Yeah, like, don't, don't don't show up because you die if you show up. And we are literally super powerful witches. We can handle it. I mean, she's right. But still, Andy is spying on uh, Rodriguez as he enters the Hollowell driveway. Gets Kit- yelled at by Kit. Yeah, Kit hisses at him and he's like... <laughs> Kit hisses at him but does nothing helpful. He very dramatically whips his head around at the cat. He stares at... He stares at the cat intently. So. Phoebe has brought the Book of Shadows down to the foyer because, as I mentioned before, this should all be, whatever. It should all be in the attic, but fine. 
she's found a way to break out of the time loop by accelerating time. No, so they ha- they don't realize until the next loop that that's the way to get out of time. Uh. What she says is she couldn't find any spells about time loops. All they could find was a spell to accelerate time. Hmm. And one of the reasons I brought that up is because, hang on. Isn't that how Piper's combustion power works later? Like, she she speeds up because she can freeze, but then she also like speeds up the molecules really fast, mm-hmm. and that's what causes the combustion. Okay. Um. Yeah, I brought this up because I, I brought up the thing about the time loops. Though she says she can't find a time loop spell, she can only find a spell to accelerate time. But in a future episode, she is going to find a time loop page in the book in the episode "The Good, the Bad, and the Cursed." So, she just failed to find it now, or she's outright lying, and, uh... You know what? I bet... I bet Grams was just not on helpful mode that day. It is a pretty big book, and it's not indexed or anything. Hmm. So, yeah, they're just gonna have to deal with this situation, and hopefully no one will die in this iteration. It's just... I'm sorry. It's just... You didn't... You writers didn't have to say... There's no time loop spell in here. And then write yourself into a corner for later when you want the time loop spell to be in there. Like, just... I couldn't find anything. I I feel like it's so easy to not write yourself into a corner. And yet here we are. I mean, this is pretty small potatoes when it comes to charmed continuity gaffes. You're right. I'm, I'm being kind of nitpicky. I should let it go. I wasn't saying that. This whole show is about not letting stuff go. <laughs> I guess that's fair. So remember Graham? Uh, who? <laughs> who? <laughs> so Phoebe opens the door again and gets lightning bolted again. You think that he would have gone after Piper first if he's like I Well, but she's like right there at the front door. Yeah. But he does immediately turn to where Piper's gonna be coming out of and blasts her before she can freeze him. Uh then he goes for Prue, but is a little too slow on the draw. She forces the energy ball back into him and... Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, like, the reason he was able to blast Piper so quickly is because he knew where she was coming from. She probably should have... They probably should have switched up who answered the door and where people came from. Uh, anyway. Anyway, he, he... It doesn't matter. He died. He gets blasted. And uh, now poor poor Prue is all alone with dead Phoebe and dead Piper. Yep, she flips over Phoebe, and she's like, well, she's dead. Runs over to Piper. Well, she's dead. Now I get all the bathrooms to myself. Honestly, though, here I feel Shannon Doherty's grief, like, way more here than I'm going to see it with Andy later. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I guess it's fine because she sees Andy in but like just the like split second thing of her cradling piper by the way excellent death acting on holly marie combs's part she is just flopping in prue's arms <laughs> yeah she's committing to the death scene and i i don't want to i mean this might just be wild speculation but i wonder if it wasn't easier to play grief over piper's death since she and holly marie combs were actually fighting and holly marie combs is one of her closest friends I could see that. Or at least was before Trump. I actually don't know if they ended on good terms. I can't imagine they did. No. But they were good friends before the show started. This is really a thing about why you shouldn't work with friends. Yeah, it like times a million. So 
Tempest rewinds time again because for some reason, two out of the three charmed ones were not good enough for him. I mean, Prue got taken out by like a river demon, right? You can take her out tomorrow. He got taken out. Uh, Prue got taken out by a wind demon. Their mom got taken out by a water demon. Uh, and their grandmother died of a heart attack. So that's three out of the five Captain Planet rings. That's hilarious. I'm just saying, Paige, Piper, and Phoebe better look out for fire demons and earth demons. Captain Planet is the real big bad of Charmed. I can see that. So, we're in the third incarnation. The third time loop starts. And, and uh, turns out, third time's the Charmed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, so uh, Phoebe knows exactly what's up this time loop. Yeah. Like, Phoebe picks up the phone. It's Piper. She's like, yeah, Marinara. And she says, freeze to uh, Prue and then not you, Piper, because Piper's still on the line, which is cute. It is cute. It is cute. And she does the, you know, the thing that you have to do in every time loop movie where she just explains all of the events that are going to happen to prove that she's in a time loop. Although the first thing she says is Kit's going to jump up on the counter and knock off the pepper. And I'm like, well, that doesn't prove anything. Kit's a cat. (laughs) But then she, then she runs to the window and she's like, car accident. How many damn lamps do these people have in their house? I'm sorry. They, they're going uh, through the living room, you know. To show off the, they're going through the living room so that she can show Prue the car accident. And it just didn't occur to me how many lamps they have in this series of rooms. You're right, they have a lot of lamps. And also, like, walls. This is a very busy house. I mean, it is a busy house. To be fair, they probably have so many lamps so that the camera team has a decent amount of fill light if they need it mm. it's it's probably a practical thing like like why is the friends apartment on friends so big well because you need to fit in three cameras that's why it's so big mm. so phoebe explains the time loop thing to prove she's like look i've been through this before you have to believe me because all of the things you know i've predicted and you know I don't know how many times we've gone through this before. I'm assuming like a million because of all the stuff I'm aware of. <laughs> yep. Nope, it's three. But she says that she's gonna she's about to have a premonition of Andy kerploding as soon as she touches the paper. And uh I like that she knows she's gonna have the premonition, and because she knows she's gonna have the premonition, she doesn't bother taking the paper and getting it. Mm. It's like it's sufficient that she knows she's gonna have the premonition. And of course, because everything is a little off because Phoebe's been running around the, the house telling people about the future slash the past. Mm. Uh, this is the first time Prue's seen the article about Andy being investigated by internal affairs for killing the internal affairs guy. How are the charmed ones not under more investigation after this episode? Daryl! Daryl's Daryl's got that swing, I guess. So... Rodriguez just shoots the cuckoo clock in the clock store window, which... Yeah, okay, so super that escalated quickly, right? First time loop, he steals a flower. Second time loop, he steals the flower and crushes it. Third time loop, he shoots out a clock in the window because he's so irritated. And he tells Tempest, like, look, 
I got two last time. I'll obviously just get all three this time. And Tempest is like, yeah, okay, Doesn't whatever, work dude. that way. Also, the... The Charmed Wiki lists as a goof, as, like, an error, that nobody reacts to him shooting out the window in the clock store. And I'm like, maybe people didn't want to get involved in that conversation. <laughs> it's not necessarily an error. Maybe people were like, oh, those are two demons having a conversation. I am going to go to the fish market instead. That's a thing in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So Tempest is like, you know... So Tempest is like, look, just try not to mess it up this time. Like, I can keep going with this, but... Eh. You know, it is good writing, by the way, that they made Rodriguez feel his deaths because he is not tempted to just keep going over and over until he gets it right because he does not want to keep dying. Yeah. So Piper... Meanwhile, Piper is ducking out of the interview and... She gives Joanne this weird speech about how she may not have accomplished as much as Joanne has in her life, but she's a smart, confident woman, and this doesn't... Who doesn't need no man? Yeah, this doesn't land, because all Joanne really did was she married a rich guy who gave her a TV show. Like... I don't understand... I mean, it doesn't land, because why is Piper jealous of Joanne? But Joanne is definitely acting like she's better than Piper. It's just that Piper shouldn't be feeling imposter syndrome about that. She should be feeling, what are you talking about? My life is way better than yours syndrome. Yeah. Like, it's like when someone attempts to dunk on you on Twitter or whatever by being like, oh, obviously you haven't seen as much 80s anime as I have. And you're like, what? I mean, okay, yeah. Yeah. What? Sorry, you just made me think of the troll episode of What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, there's an episode where Colin Robinson, the energy vampire, is is revealed to be an internet troll. Mm-hmm. But he's fighting with, he ends up in a fight with another internet troll. And that internet troll is like, you live in your mom's basement. And he's like, ha, huh, joke's on you, I live in my own basement. <laughs> so Prue and Andy are having the angriest incarnation of... Uh this conversation they were they were very jokey the first time they were a little jokey half serious the second time well i would say the second time was like tender yeah and now they're just yelling at each other because Prue's like look andy if you come to the house you are going to die and i will put a spell on you yes and he's like it's okay to die for the one you love and then they hug and her watch is really conspicuously in the frame and i'm like that's a nice directing choice Oh, yeah, because of time. Yeah. Okay, I thought it might be a product placement thing because the show has some issues with that later. No, no, it's because of time. Yeah, okay, yeah. So. Also, I really like the angry hug it out. Yeah. So Kit hisses at Rodriguez, and Rodriguez does... Demon stare? I was going to say Picard slash grumpy cat face at the demon... Like his eyes... At the cat... Sorry, let me... So... The cat hisses at Rodriguez, and Rodriguez does Picard slash Grumpy Cat stare with demon eyes at at the cat. Yeah, his eyes, like, turn all red, and he's like, hiss right back at you. But his mouth does, like, the, the Picard slash Grumpy Cat thing, where it just goes straight down. Yeah, I will note that this angry demon stare doesn't actually do anything. It's not like he fries the cat with lasers out of his eyes or anything. It just, the cat just runs away. And it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> I oh. mean, it's the pilot all over again. Oh, you're on your own, ladies. <laughs> right. 
but and he sees the demon eyes and he's like oh crap like he already knew he doesn't have new information so he grabs his gun because that was that was so useful against the sewer demons the blindness sewer demons earlier. yes did he try using yeah and he tried using it against the dark lighter last episode so yeah so the girls are looking at the book and they have found the entry for Tempest, even though they haven't found the page for Time Loops. And Tempest is the Devil's Sorcerer. Okay, sure, why not? Aren't all of the sorcerers from hell the Devil's Sorcerers? I mean, that's what makes you a demon. Like, that's what a demon is, right? Although, rare mention of the actual devil. It's true. In fact, I don't know that we ever actually... Like, we don't really deal with the devil, right? We deal with the source of all evil when we start talking about... The devil. The devil shortened to the source for coolness's sake for coolness sake okay so they see that the only way to vanquish tempest is to remove him from his time okay okay i'm sorry we can talk about it when they actually do but yes the only way to vanquish tempest is to remove him from his time which okay we'll talk about it when we get there since you brought it up though now i'm noticing in this scene you can prominently see all of the girls watches and in fact there's like even light reflecting off of prue's watch making it like super bam right there and phoebe is wearing like a giant um like what are those watches called like the one watches no no it's like one of those it's like one of those expensive um um sharper image watches that you can like take underwater and stuff it's Mm, like yeah i don't i don't know what they're called phoebe would not have a watch like that but it's giant and prominent you know so that you can see it even though you know as i said i I didn't notice that before but yes so rodriguez bursts in he starts immediately with the lightning pulse piper tackles prue out of the way which I, i i like that's kind of a reversal of their normal thing and Phoebe does this really kind of cool, just swervy head dodge thing, which does make it into the she, opening credits. She's been doing kickboxing. She can, like, dodge and weave. It is really cool. It I, I only saw one episode of it, but it does kind of remind me of the, like, backwards duck thing. Um, what's his face? Clark Gregg. Um, I think it's Greg Clark. Greg Clark. Clark Greg? I don't know. Agent Coulson. The thing Agent Coulson does in the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when he ducks that uh, car that's being flung at him. Oh. It just kind of reminds me of just the casual moving your head out of the way when something is flying at you. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, a neat, it's a neat bit. There's a reason it ends up in the opening credits. But Auntie comes in and shoots Rodriguez a bunch, but Rodriguez just, you know, throws... Actually, he, he energy bolts him into... Uh, Hutch? A china cabinet. Yes, a hutch. Yeah. And Piper freezes him and she's like, so... She's like, are we sisters all okay? The three sisters? Uh-oh. Prue's, Prue's unconscious, but not, whatever. She's fine. How's Andy? Oh no, my favorite china hutch. Also, Andy's dead. Yeah. Yeah, Andy's not as good at playing dead as Holly Marie Combs was, by the way. No. <laughs> I know. It's very upsetting. You'd think he'd take advantage of it being a swan song and all. Yeah. Well, the problem is that in Phoebe's memory, in, sorry, the problem is that in Phoebe's premonition, she saw herself, like, 
closing his eyes, closing his dead eyes, because she only saw the dead body, so we needed a visual signifier for the fact that he's dead. But that means that his body has to be lying there with eyes wide open uh. for, like, all of the shot until Phoebe gets there. So, the clock chimes... Uh, Andy's dead, Prue is unconscious, and they have tied up Rodriguez. So, Phoebe's like, the only reason you're still alive is because we haven't figured out how to kill you. I mean, this is smart, right? They know that when they kill him, the time loop will restart, so they need to figure something else out. Do they? I mean... Well, that's actually what Piper brings up. Piper's like, we need to let the time loop restart, because we need to do this again, because we need to make sure Andy doesn't get killed this time. And Phoebe's like... Piper, Piper, it's Andy. No one cares about Andy. No one cares about Andy. We need to finish this plot. So she reveals to Rodriguez that she knows about the time loop thing. She knows about Tempest. She's like, yeah, my powers make me immune to the forgetting part of this. Like, (laughs) so we're just going to take care of this now. Rodriguez is like refusing to answer their questions because why would he the worst case scenario is that they kill him and then time loop restarts so you know i know i was making jokes about phoebe being all we have to let andy die but it's really piper who's like we really can't risk going through another time loop i mean piper's right and piper is so right that angie's soul contacts prue while she's unconscious yeah prue is in like the dead space with on the porch swing. She's on the porch of heaven because there's a porch swing. Yeah. She's in the sixpence none the richer version of heaven. It's all like foggy and white lights. And Andy's like, hey, um, you have to let me die because you have to go back and do your thing and keep the time loop from resetting. Yeah, he's like, look, I broke my promise. I came to the house and I fucking ate it. So it's kind of on me. My bad. You know what? But don't sweat it. I don't want to be here anymore. Life sucks. Just, you know, break the time loop and live with your sisters. Go out and live, Prue. Being alive is the patent. Being alive is the right choice for you. Life is what you should pursue. Living is great. Be alive, Prue. Be alive. Prue's like, but I miss you, and I'm going to miss you, and I want to be with you. And he's like, you can't wait six months? <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference, it don't you know? It is a Simpsons reference. Anyway, he, he tells her that she needs to go and, you know, defeat Tempest so the time loop doesn't reset, because... If they're caught in a time loop that's going to keep looping until they die, then eventually they will die because, you know, they have to be lucky every time and Tempest only has to be lucky once. Or Rodriguez, I guess. Rodriguez only has to be lucky once. And Prue's like, I'll kill Rodriguez for this. And Andy's like, no, you won't. You're not a murderer disregarding all of the people. Yeah, she's already killed. She's killed Rodriguez twice. Yeah. Also, also, all of the other people she's killed. Warlocks are people. Let's be clear, like, she's killing murderers, but she is killing people. Also, isn't the whole thing with Andy that he's in trouble because he was protecting her because of all the people she killed? Also, Rodriguez is a demon. She vanquishes demons all the time. It's literally her job. Mm. So, Prue wakes up and she's like, where's Andy? And they're like, ooh, he's dead. 
Also, she's like, oh man, I've been unconscious for a really, really long time. And despite what they tell you on TV, if you're unconscious for that long from a head injury, you really need to go to a hospital immediately. Eh. I mean, they have to fix the time loops first, but then she should really go to a hospital immediately. Yeah. So she asks Phoebe for the Book of Shadows. Bring me the book. Nun, nun, dun. And Rodriguez looks worried because he's like, uh-oh, she's like all determined. I think she's got it figured out. He does the double blink. And uh, so Prue's like, you know that thing that each of you touched upon about us, you know, having to break the time loop even though it means Andy's going to die? Uh, that. It's my turn to say that. Also, Andy like came to me and told me it's cool. Yeah. It's okay. Andy's ghost said that he was cool with dying, so... Eh. And somehow, she, while she was unconscious, she also figured out that the thing they have to do is accelerate time so that Tempest will be out of his time, and then he won't be able to reset the day. Thursday! <gasps> Sorry, I did this... Thursday again. What a concept. No, no, this time... Okay, this time loop happens on a Wednesday. This time loop we hear happens on a Wednesday, which is what the time loop day is in Russian Doll. The time loop is on a Wednesday, hence Natasha Leon's line, Thursday, what a concept. Literally the solution to this episode is Thursday. What What a a concept. concept. Also, also, also worth watching. I I really like Russian Russian Doll. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really good. In fact, I mean, the whole idea behind our podcast is that you don't have to watch Charmed if you don't want to. Hmm. And I, I recommend you watch Russian Doll instead of Charmed. I mean, well, you watch it's fine. We have all got nothing but time. You can watch as much stuff as you want. Yeah. And whatever you want. I mean, as every... Watch ar- Twitches. <laughs> as every article about Palm Springs that came out mentioned, we are all in a time loop now, so... I don't get why this kills Tempest. Okay, well, so let's talk about it. Okay, so they speed up time so it's the next day or whatever. Yes, and his little his little watch, his, his magic watch that he uses to reset time, it, like, speeds past the day, and he, like, bursts into flame, and the flame travels back into the fireplace that he came out of. So... Uh. I, I don't think he got... He, he hasn't been killed, he's been Sent vanquished. So do you just respawn in hell when you're vanquished? I mean, I know there's a wasteland that demon souls go to, but honestly, it just kind of looks like he went back to hell. Yeah, I mean, I think that when he, I mean, you remember we see Tempest later. Do we? Oh yeah, Tempest comes back, so this doesn't kill him. Okay. It does weaken him though. I think the idea is that he has created a day that repeats over and over, like he's created a loop. And pulling him out of his loop, like, hurt him. It's like he has the bends. He has time bends now. Okay, you know what bugs me about this? They don't kill Rodriguez? Yes, but no. Hmm. We need to remove him from the time loop that he uh, created. If only one of us had the power to stop time! Okay, but she can't just, like, freeze him continually forever. She would need to freeze him continually forever. One freeze would get him out of the loop. He would become disconnected from the time. Okay, okay, but, but, let me remind you, the sisters do not interact with him at any point in this episode. 
Yeah, but, I mean, they could have just been like, okay, we're not killing Rodriguez, and then Tempest shows up and is like, what the hell? And they... Well, he Tempest could just restart the day at any time. He doesn't need Rodriguez to die to restart the, t- the day. Are we sure? I am. Of... I feel sure about that. But... And, and Rodriguez felt pretty sure, too. Rodriguez felt sure that if the day ended and he wasn't dead, the day would just reset. I'm just saying... I don't like... I don't like the way they utilized the whole, you know getting rid of Tempest is I don't like the way that they did this. They set it up so it's this weird situation like I guess if the time loop ended by his hand it wouldn't Look, listen, listen. Time loops are a mess. They're they're messy. That's why That's why good time loop movies don't try to explain them because it it like that, that's why Groundhog Day is so good. It doesn't try to explain it. It's just like time loop day, whatever. What are you going to do? Although Palm Springs does kind of explain. It doesn't like directly explain it, but it has, it hints at what the explanation is. We know the characters know, or at least one of the characters knows the reason for the time loop. Yeah, the character who like spends a thousand years getting a doctor in quantum physics understands what caused the time loop. But for us, the audience, it's just like... Spoilers for times. Uh, spoilers for Palm Springs. Yes, but for the rest of us, it's just like... Don't worry about it. It's science, but it's science that's so advanced that it might as well be magic. Hmm. A science wizard did it. So they release Rodriguez and they're like, we're not killing you because that would be vengeance and something, 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 something. Why? Why? Wh- what? what? You know, he's he, he's a demon who knows where you live. Like, and he's pretending to be a cop. Like He could legitimately just set your house on fire. He could cause so much trouble for you but uh yeah he he, uh but but anyway he turns around and he does try to throw a bolt at prue and prue directs it back to him so that he dies and it's like what did he think was going to happen uh, okay number one yes he telegraphed that so much also like prue's like that doesn't count as murder I'm going to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, he she because she's like we may not be murderers, but we're not angels either. And honestly, angels kind of do this sort of stuff a lot. They do. also that's 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 murder. Like, uh, I, whatever. I mean, you, you were right to kill him, but don't don't act like oh we were gonna whatever whatever. <laughs> then she goes over and she's like. Guess I should cry over Andy. Yeah, time, time, time to do my sad grieving scene now. And she's, Andy, she's really sad. And then we like get his funeral, and we're all supposed to be really sad. And I the one second of her cradling Piper's corpse had so much more emotional resonance than her like, oh no, Andy's dead or whatever. Like I, I. Listen, dear listeners, if you have listened to us for any length of time, you probably know, you probably remember, that I cry a lot at media. Like, it's really, really easy to get me to cry at sad things on TV. And I was just like, whatever. Oh my god, and the song that they have for this, it's a replacement song. We actually looked it up this time. It's a replacement song, and it's so bad. It's like... Oh, guy who died. You used to be alive, but now you're not anymore. Oh, guy who died. We used to do stuff together, but now we can't because you're dead. Oh, no, guy who died. It's accurate. It's 100% accurate. Yeah. 
and before it was a better song it's like an in the arms of the angels ripoff but it was better than the song that they replaced it with uh yeah so then speaking of groundhog day we get a joke where nancy odell is doing the weather and she's saying the same thing she said on the first and she's saying the same thing she said in the time loop and phoebe's like ugh. Get another shtick. She does this every morning. Wah, wah. Yeah. And then we get, like, a thing where Piper's plot... Is that a plot? Anyway, her plot is resolved where she's like, Yeah, I realize that I don't want to be managing a restaurant with an owner who is bizarrely making me manage it when I was hired to be a chef. So, uh, I'm, uh, gonna go do something else. Yeah, I'm going to go open my own re- Club. I'm gonna open a club. That's even further away from what you wanted to do. You're getting colder. Meanwhile, Prue and her breasts are sitting sadly outside on the stoop. Holy, her top. Her top. I'm sorry. It, it's like she got a secondary power and it's plunging necklines. Yeah. I'm not trying to be crude here, but it's distracting. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Also, it's, like, weird, it's weird that she's wearing this, like, white sundress in what is clearly a very chilly San Francisco day when she's just come from a funeral, so she changed into this chilly white dress. Piper's outfit is so ugly. Like, I love Holly Marie Combs. I have noticed there's a tendency to dress her less sexy than the other two sisters for whatever reason. It's like a column of fabric that completely hides any shape she has. It's like she's like, hmm. It's a sister wife dress. Yes, thank you. It's like she's auditioning for being the second wife in a cult. The second out of seven. (laughs) Or third. She's not on the wife... She's auditioning to be on the Wife B team in a cult. Oh, anyway, everyone talks about how sad they are that Andy's dead, which, okay, whatever you say, girls. I mean, not really, though, because they're like, isn't it sad that Andy's dead? But, you know, in some way, I feel like he's finally at peace. Whatever. But also, like, we need to make sure his death is not in vain, and the way to do that is for us to go be the charmed ones, so let's go do that and then and then we do get the iconic they all walk back into the manor and prue uses her telekinesis to close the manor's front door they all run giggling into the manor it's a weird note to end the episode on i i uh, again i do love the iconic prue closing the door with her power shot it's great yes it's it's good there's a lot of good symmetry there they did it in the pilot and they will do it in every finale even after prue is dead yes where then it is implied that it is the ghost of Prue who's doing it. Or in this series finale, Piper's granddaughter. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so... What a weird note to end the season on. Well, yeah, I, I know, it's... Andy died, so it's a finale, right? Because a main character, a front-credited character dies? That's significant. Yeah. But you're right, this really could have been in any episode. Yeah, and there are some major shifts to the status quo here. Piper's not going to be working at Quake anymore, Andy's dead, but it doesn't really feel climactic enough for a season ender. Yeah. The stakes are kind of low. I mean, I guess they're not if you're really invested in Andy, but... uh. Well, it's the thing about a time loop, right? A time loop, by its nature, removes the stakes. So, unless unless you're doing, you know, the magicians, and then you come up with a way where this is the very last time loop, and we messed it up 40 other times, so... 
<sighs> but yeah, so you want to do our segments? Yeah, so let's open with the obvious one, premonitions. All right, so let's do let's do the big one first. Nancy Odell, For Miss those... America, Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood. For those of you just coming in, premonitions are where we look at the actors from an episode and see who is, was, or will be famous in the future. Yes. And a uh, fun thing about Nancy Odell, mm-hmm. she's going to appear as herself in a later episode to interview... Uh... Phoebe after she becomes Ask Phoebe? Yes. Mm. So, yeah, Nancy Odell. You might know her from stuff. <laughs> Also, David Carradine, who you will definitely know as Bill from the Kill Bill movies. Or you might know him from the Kung Fu TV series. Or you might know him from famously dying of autoerotic asphyxiation. Which, okay. I mean, it it's sad that he died, I guess. But, I mean, he was kind of old and it was at his own hand, as it were, so... It's less sad than other celebrity deaths. Uh... What's our next segment? Our next segment is Time Freeze. What specifically dated the episode? How about everyone having goddamn watches? (laughs) That's true! Oh, that's funny. Also, Joanne's outfit is very dated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she... Honestly, it's a little late for her to be wearing that outfit at this point. Like, this is the dying throes of the 80s businesswoman, because it's almost 2000. I mean, it is like a power suit, and that's, yeah, just not a thing. And that hair. Yes. Business lady beehive. Yes. She looked like she was Romy or Michelle from the first half of Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Yes. And our last segment telekinesis what genuinely moved you in this episode if anything okay well weirdly not andy's death but kind of the scenes with between prue and andy in the park when she's telling him not to come to the house those scenes i i genuinely felt the emotion honestly the only bit that got me uh emotionally invested at all was the like i mentioned before the very short bit where shannon doherty's cradling holly marie combs oh yes there was strong emotion there, but for the rest of it, eh. Yeah, the one moment where Prue thought Piper was dead. Or I mean, I guess she was dead, but then time restarted. I wouldn't say I was emotionally affected by it, but I did like the symmetry of the three conversations of Prue and Andy and how the tone shifts dramatically in each one. Yeah. Like, I do like that. I like what time loops allow you to do. Yeah. So I guess that'll do it. That'll do it for season one. Woo! So when we come back, we'll be doing season two. And we are going to do season two, episode one, Witch Trial. On their first anniversary of becoming witches, the sisters face a cloven-hooved demon that steals the Book of Shadows and undoes spells they've cast. Huh. I have literally no memories of this episode. Huh. Well, you know what comes after Witch Trial? Oh, is it the uh, the future episode? Yes, Morality Bites. And ah, I'll, the... Honestly, it's the high point of the series, which is... I'm worried because it's the second episode of the second season, and it is seriously the high point of the series. Yeah. So, uh, that'll about do it then. Yeah, I guess that'll do it for us. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, and Kyle. 
If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, then you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be found at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Thank you.